0: Just before you watch this, know that the situation is changing. And by the time this comes out, things may look quite different for the Georgian theater. So think of this as some background um, and maybe some context for the issue of theater funding in Barrie moving forward. Sharing the voices of those impacted by the closure of the Georgian theater and sharing some ways in which the situation might move forward. Throughout the COVID-19 pandemic, Theaters across Canada have sat quiet, and that's just as you might expect. Live theater might seem like a distant memory um, in the days of lockdowns, physical distancing, and COVID protocols. But Barry's theater community and the community that uses the Georgian theater didn't just pack up shop in 2020. They've been planning, pivoting, and planning again getting ready for 2021, 2022, when life can go back to a certain kind of normal. And many were very excited about getting back into the Georgian theater, which has been their home for decades. That's why it came as even more of a shock when they found out a couple weeks ago that Barry's most suitable theater location um, for a lot of productions was shutting down. In the last week of February, it was announced that the lease on the Georgian theater would be canceled. And that saves the city um, around $300,000 a year in expenditures. As you can imagine, it was part of the City Council's um, push to lower the tax rate for this coming year. But that news sent shockwaves through the Barrie community that uses the Georgian Theatre and that attends shows there as well. From musical theatre companies to acting troupes to contemporary dance, the space has long been a gathering point for Barrie's arts community. And since the Fisher Auditorium um, was also voted to be demolished and a suitable replacement won't be around for probably more than six years, Barry had no suitable alternative for these large-scale productions that need certain backstage options, lighting setups, and more that other spaces like the Sadlin Center just don't have. But outrage turned to action. A petition began and multiple groups in the community that uses the Georgian um, including the Kempenfelt community players and Theatre by the Bay met to discuss a path forward. And last Monday Barry City Council voted to apply for funding for a possible grant that would help make the Georgian usable um, in the interim possibly this year. And don't forget this council has approved a theatre fund with 2.5 million being siphoned in annually from the Reserve Investment Fund. But this doesn't guarantee a space anytime soon. So Barry's performing arts community was caught in a bind how to plan for a post-pandemic world um, without any suitable alternative space. Without the input of Angela Baldwin, who was the one who suggested the city apply for the grant, the Georgian could very well be a distant memory. Now with a possible grant allowing for extended use and an outpouring of support across Barrie, it looks like there might be some hope. For more, I spoke with Ian Mogash. He's the artistic director of Theater by the Bay I'll let him introduce himself, and then we dive into the crazy few weeks for theater in Barrie, what happened, how the discussion has evolved, and what theater and performing arts spaces might look like in Barrie in the future.
1: Sure, so my name is Ian Mogash, and I'm the Artistic Director of Theater by the Bay. So I'm responsible for uh, all the artistic programming that happens at the company, uh, as well as fundraising and general management as well.
0: And I definitely want to touch on how the company has adapted to the pandemic later on, but I guess I'll start most recently. Um, and from what I hear, it's been a pretty crazy past week. Could you kind of walk me through um, the moment from when you heard the news that the Georgian was closing up until now, as in the organization that's been happening behind the scenes and, and, and kind of everything as the situation has been uh, evolving?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's as you said, it's kind of crazy, like so much has happened. But uh, basically, we received uh we were yeah basically we received an announcement at a meeting of um, the theater groups with uh, the the manager of uh, culture and recreation, uh, Rob Bell, and it took us a little bit of time to kind of like absorb that, and uh, when then the news started breaking to the community that this had happened. There was an article in Barry Today, uh, and that really rallied up this, the entire community because of the fact that the Georgian uh, is such an important lifeblood for the performing arts community in Barrie. Um, so, you know, we started sending out emails, blah, blah, blah. And then when the ar- actual article broke, uh, there was a lot of information that was missing. Uh, you know, from our perspective as well that I felt needed to be brought up. So I posted on my Facebook page, my personal Facebook page, a big account of what had happened from behind the scenes. So the lack of consultation, uh, the fact that, you know, uh, staff had had many opportunities to tell us that this was going to happen before it was revealed to us and they chose never to. um, And that the the perception was just that simply this was a done deal. um, And just what that meant. So After that huge response, you know, uh, from the community, uh, CAO Prowse released a letter which, you know, included a lot of uh, nice sentiments about arts and culture and and some of the practical reasons for why the decision had to be made Um, and that was a great launching point for then us to mobilize again and come up with a counter response. So uh, drawing from some of his points about the the cost of operating the theater, the the requirements for, for renovation going forward to make sure that it's up to uh, par, I guess, uh, like all these kinds of points were actually quite easily dissectable and, and actually raised a lot more questions than they answered. Um, so that led to the community getting together and coming up with a response. So uh, last Friday, there was um, uh, a community meeting where we got together a couple action points that we wanted to see in response to this letter and uh there was also a gathering of uh local arts leaders as well like the leaders from several of the major organizations in town that were impacted by the decision and we came up with kind of just a a a unified message that we would then take back to the city and uh the city you know has now received that and uh the conversation is ongoing. At the same time, uh, a local community member, Angela Baldwin, who is a, uh, a ch- uh, member of the uh, Berry Film Festival, was involved with uh, Theatre by the Bay for a long time. Uh, she uh, realized that there was actually granting opportunities that might assist in covering some of these expenses that the city was saying was the reason that it had to close. Uh, and, uh, you know, it, it was, the reaction from the city was like oh well that's great we can totally do that when in fact from my perspective it's like you didn't think about applying for a grant but anyway so uh the 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 several uh, members of uh staff from both of the uh, departments that span culture got together with a few arts leaders said that this was the plan going forward they got permission from council to then pursue this grant and just in the last few days uh we've been working on this grant collectively to assist the city in that application, to make sure that we can cover some of those those costs. So long story, because there's so many moving parts, but uh, that's kind of the
0: core of it. And I don't want to ask you to be like a representative for all the people involved, I guess, in Theater by the Bay, but as far as you personally, how were you feeling when you first heard the news about the future of Theater by the Bay and the future of Theater in Barrie, and how are you feeling now?
1: Uh, Well, um, I mean, for Theater by the Bay, we've, managed this pretty well. I mean, we're a theatre company that is uh, very lo- focused on local artist development, uh, developing new work about the community. So this has actually kind of been a time for us to double down on that and and really utilize the time well so that way going into the future we're prepared for success. Uh, the loss of the Georgian Theatre is uh, a huge puzzle piece, though, because that's the location where we typically do our Big Stars Come Out gala, which is a a really important fundraiser for the company. So not having that until potentially, you know, 2026, uh, when the Fisher building is is completed, if the Fisher building is completed by that point, uh, really throws a wrench in in, um, how we can fundraise. Uh, And So that's a bit of a problem Uh, in terms of the theater community in Barry. I mean, it's always been underfunded. It's always been uh, there's like, there's always been a lack of venues in general, just because, well, rent is extremely high and there's a lot of uh, uh, systemic factors that, that are prohibitive for, for new companies to sprout up for instance. Um, So yeah, the George losing the Georgian just is another cut into this, uh, this pool that is really struggling. So um, what it looks like for the future uh, is to be determined, I guess, but I can't imagine it getting easier for more theater to be made uh, for
0: the foreseeable future. And with the news of this grant and at City Council, they they thanked um, Angela by name and it seemed like a lot of counselors um, were really on board with this. Do you feel hope um, in terms of getting this grant going or in terms of finding some sort of stopgap solution I don't know yet
1: <laughs> I don't know yet I mean the the cost like the numbers that they were floating in terms of what would be required to get the Georgian operating again w- seem to be all over the place like I've heard everything from well you know we need fifty thousand dollars in immediate struck you know funding to do the, the 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 minimum requirement of repairs to get it open again but then also this this 1.3 million Number has been floated, um, so I don't know. I, I, I. It's to be determined. But I think, though, the, actually, my hope comes from the fact that this has really demonstrated to city the city that there is a large community of people that really care about arts and culture, and that. And the fact that, you know, Mayor Lehman, for instance, went on the radio and said, yep, this was a huge oversight. This was a big problem. Counselors made this decision without a lot of consideration. Uh, Like these sorts of steps are important. Um, And hopefully as a community and as a community that's attempting to work with the city to improve arts and culture uh, in the area, that this can be kind of like a watershed moment where things get better but really the ball is in their their court to deliver on that. They know what the arts and culture community needs. They know that there's a lot of people that wanna make it happen. They know that I'm accessible on my cell phone any time of the day, if they wanna talk to me about anything, Uh, but it's up to them now to
0: to make the solutions happen from my perspective. And you mentioned right off the bat, um, in response to CEO Prowse's letter, um, you said it raised a lot of questions. Could you talk about some of the questions that that letter, but also the whole handling of the situation has raised for you?
1: Sure. So, I mean, you know, part of this, this thing. Okay. So here's a good example. So in his letter and in the article that was published in, you know, that highlighted some of the points of his letter, he he brought up that there were only 30 bookings of the Georgian last year. Well, that raises a question because last year was 2020, and thirty bookings, and you know the theater was completely shut down in March, right? So that's only two and a half months of potential bookings, and there were thirty bookings in that time, you know. And then if you look at and in contrast, for instance, if you look at two thousand eighteen or two thousand nineteen, there might have been fifty to sixty bookings over the course of the year that spanned more than one hundred and sixty to one hundred and eighty days. So, it's a little disingenuous for them to say, oh, well, you know, there's only 30 bookings at the Georgian last year without acknowledging the rest of the story behind that. So, that kind of language I, I found quite problematic. Um, and also, just, you know, the fact that, uh, like, you know, that they're so committed to arts and culture and yet couldn't put any consideration into what this sort of impact would be by like talking to us first about it. The fact that, you know, a member of the community had to go to them and say, Hey, there are grants that might assist you guys with this and then go, Oh, well, what a great idea. Like this is kind of, uh, this is problematic and it speaks to a lack of communication. So the letter, you know, the letter I felt was very filtered and, uh, also included a lot of lip service without any actual uh, commitment to action to make the situation better, um, just as an example.
0: Um, I suppose in council conversation, um, and uh, I believe in that letter too, if I'm not mistaken, um, there's a lot of language about the, the reason it was done in this fashion, the reason it was done so quickly was a lot because of the attempt to uh, cut costs in a year like this and, and lower the tax rate. I was wondering going forward, Um, How do you want to see your council interact more holistically and interact more genuinely with the arts community in these kind of decisions?
1: Well, that's a great question. Uh, There's I think there's a few approaches, but the main one that I am really pushing for is the establishment of an official arts and culture committee. So this includes, you know, council members, staff, members of the, the artistic community you know, working together, being accountable to each other, you know, uh, being able to work in a collaborative fashion. So that way, you know, problems like, hey, you guys just canceled the Fisher building, and now you're going to pull the lease on the Georgian, what are we going to go do in the interim? And instead of creating these like stopgap solutions, like, well, we can add a big curtain to the Sadlin Arena, uh, we could actually work together to make things happen. Uh, And I think that will provide the transparency that will provide the communication that will provide, uh, you know, the feeling that we're in we're working together as opposed to kind of this is it's the arts community versus city hall uh, that that the community has really been calling for, and I think would be a really proactive step. Um, so that's a big one. I think as well, you know, the city of Barrie also has cultural granting funding program. And this has been very underfunded for a long time, considering the size of the city that it's in. I mean, last year, I think it was in the $380,000 range, which is n- nothing that is like less than like a dollar, you know, on your taxes. Like, it's crazy. So I I think a serious investment in, in the, in the cultural uh, grant funding, uh, especially for organizations that are trying to get started in this area, I think would be uh, a hugely significant step towards reconciliation and, uh, and
0: collaboration. And there, there are people in the Barry community on uh, Facebook, or or Twitter, or whatever, that um, may be of the opinion that, um, especially in a pandemic, City Council shouldn't be focusing its attention on arts when we can't even hold um, live performances, or that um, City Council should be focusing its money and time on other industries. Why do you feel like the arts industry and the theater industry, in particular, is so important to keep funded and keep going, In Barry? Uh, Well,
1: I mean what has been another the silent pandemic in this whole thing it's been mental health it's been the lack of community it's been uh you know the the inability to gather with people and theater does provide that and yeah sure what you know in some cases we may not be able to gather at the five points theater say but there are all sorts of avenues we've seen this across the entire world by this point we're a year into this pandemic like there's there's so many models that could be drawn from in terms of how organizations in a community can deliver live theatrical experiences uh but it's just they have to work with us to make that happen as opposed to you know shutting us out of the conversation completely and it will assist with mental health it will assist with uh you know youth creativity it will assist with all these things that we care about community uh gathering people from different perspectives all these sorts of uh things that we say that we want, arts and the theater do that directly. Um, And sure, yeah, we're all, obviously the performing arts was one of the first industries to close and likely will be the last one to go back to its initial capacity. Um, But there's so much we can do in the interim. And, you know, in some cases we just need a little bit of support right now, but, and, but ultimately we just need more of a collaborative working together nature, as opposed to yeah, keeping the doors closed and us having to bang at them just for them to pay attention to us.
0: And I was wondering, um, as far as Theatre by the Bay, um, how did it feel like, from what I could tell, it seemed like a huge groundswell of support um, that kind of emerged throughout this whole past couple weeks. How how has that felt for you and and your colleagues?
1: It's been very empowering, I would say. Yeah, I mean, the, the groups like Theater by the Bay and Kempenfeld Community Players and Talk is free. Uh, you know, we've we've been around for a long time. Like Theater by the Bay is reaching its 20th anniversary. So as an organization, we have seen just how much impact we've had. And for those people to, you know, people from all walks of life to to say, this is outrageous. We're behind you. You know, we love what you're doing. Uh, you know, Barrie isn't just a sports town. I like having arts and culture where I live. Like these sorts of things. Uh, are really empowering and certainly got the message across. I mean, there was that great moment in council where uh, the council meeting where, you know, Mayor Lehman was like, we got a lot of people and that's just normal people doing that. Uh, even before there was the, the, that communal push, people were just choosing to do that of themselves. And uh, that is exactly the kind of uh, support that we need to
0: get our voice heard and to change the conversation. And I wanna be mindful of your time, but I have one last question. Um just about as far as operating during the pandemic. And I don't I don't know if you're tired of answering this question, but how has that been uh for Theater by the Bay? How has it been to kind of transition your operations or change or think about how you do stuff differently? What's that been like? Uh it's been extremely
1: challenging for sure. Um yeah, I mean we had when when the when everything was shut down initially last March, I guess, we were days away from announcing our 2020 season uh we had cast and hired everyone for an entire show and we're deep into development and as a company that does new work um that's so that that's it's it's we've already put in potentially years of time into making these things happen. So, so seeing that having to just kind of be put on the shelf was, was really difficult. Uh, fortunately, you know, we got some good support right at the right time. So we had a Trillium grant that, uh, that allowed us to do a lot of uh, educational programming and move a lot of things online, which is a life send a lifeblood rather. Um, and, uh, so that was, that was good, but yeah, you know, and then I had to throw out the 2021 season and completely start from scratch and work with people to work really quickly to make that all happen. So we knew, and also a season that could be adaptable as it was like, okay, well maybe we can do stuff by the summer. Nope. Okay. Maybe we can do stuff by the fall. Nope. Okay. And now we're looking at, you know, September when everyone's vaccinated kind of thing, hopefully. So uh, it's been, it's been challenging and, you know the the reason that people go into theater isn't for the money. Certainly, it's not for the money. It's for the love of the art. And when you're not getting to make the art, it makes every, it puts so much strain on everything else that you're doing. Um, So it's been, it's been difficult, but fortunately we have a really great team. I have a fantastic board of directors that I work with, uh, and so many local artists that are willing to just pour in their time and, um, their creativity, uh, even as they undergo so much mental stress, (laughs) uh, to, to, to make stuff happen next year, um, and in future years. So yeah, that's, that's been amazing. Um, but it's, it's tough. It's tough right now.
0: Yeah, I I can only imagine. And I just wanted to thank you as well for for taking the time to talk with me about all this. And I think that's all the questions I have for now. Um, Great, yeah, anytime. I'm always happy to chat. Thanks for watching this video. Next up, we speak to two members of Barry's Theatre Community on what the Georgian means to them. We'll be right back with more conversation and more discussion after this short break. In this next part of the conversation, I talk with Leanne Romans and Jocelyn Bertram. Leanne is the chair of Camdenfelt Community Players who have long used the Georgian Theatre. We talked right after the initial news of the theatre came out and much has happened since then. But what hasn't changed is the central place the Georgian Theatre has in the KCP's past and plans for the future. Next, I talked to Jocelyn Bertram, who's an avid musical fan um, and performer, and also publishes the blog and podcast, both sides of the curtain. First, here's my conversation with Leanne.
2: Uh, my name is Leanne Romans. I am currently the board chair for Cup Community Players. Um, Kemenfeldt Community Players is a volunteer run organization and it is, if you will, driven or managed by currently a nine member board. We have a tremendous uh, group of individuals who between long term history with KCP and uh, some of our newer younger members, we've got a great mix of energy around the board and certainly commitment.
0: And when you mentioned um, earlier that the Georgian theater was really the Kemp and Felt community player's home, mm-hmm. um, could you explain a little bit more about that? Like what made it your home? Why was there such a strong connection between your group and that, that
2: space? Um, in the most basic of terms, it be, it is because of the venue's structure and size. So it presented the most viable local option for our organization to stage the kinds of musicals. We are focused, uh, our tagline is making musicals memorable. Um, you could look at it that we are strongly based in being able to put as many people on stage as we can. So we need a decent sized stage. And we need a certain audience capacity to reach that level of financial feasibility. Uh, it's expensive to you know, pay out the licensing and royalties, it's you know, costs relating to sets and designs and costumes and all of those things. So it really does come down to a bit of financial modeling. Um, though I will mention the relationship goes so far as to when KCP Uh, secured a, we have a studio workshop in Barrie that we operate, not right now, but um, in the back was a workshop area that in fact was sized to the specifics of Georgian theater. So it gave us that, you could call it an economy of scale. When we were building a set, we could do it efficiently to fit into that theater. The reality is there was nothing else in Barry then or now that fits into this, this niche. I was wondering
0: um, for people that may think in the age of Netflix, in the age of always accessible TV, they might say, why is there a need for local theater? Why is there a need to go see a show? Uh, could you kind of address that? Why Why do you think it's so important to have the local theater presence?
2: Um really for a whole host of reasons uh, I recognize that there are certainly people out there who are not live theater fans um, but in fact there is a significant portion of the population that loves the experience it is to engage with a group on stage who are you know singing and dancing and acting it, it is it is a uh, uh, a soul-based experience really for so many people and it teaches so much in terms of um i'm not sure if you're aware but one of our shows is our young company show and what we do there is we provide an opportunity for kids who are not sports-based they're they're arts they're creative it's an opportunity for them to engage with their community and explore their talents and gain skills of all descriptions, you know, it it builds confidence, it creates better social interaction, it improves communication skills. um, It engages people in a community with common dialogue and purpose. And that's something I think that filters all the way down, whether it's the people behind the stage, the people on the stage, or the people in front of the stage, it's a shared experience. And one that has been around for quite literally thousands of years, um, that has provided, you know, so much value to the communities it exists in.
0: Yeah, and I I know as a student who I grew up in Aurelia but I remember going down to see shows in that feeder too. And I know. Did you it, really? Yeah. So it's such an accessible way. I think your website said something like 5,000 students in the past number of years have, have gone to see
2: shows um, produced by kids. Last year, or sorry, not last year, 2019 mm-hmm. um, was 5,000 kids that year. We were adding school matinees in order to accommodate the the uh, interest that was coming from and and it's you know it's the public school board it's the catholic school board and it's all kinds of uh, private educators home educators and so even that is bringing all of these kids together in this common arena and giving them something to consider in life And it also teaches them, uh, you know, the skills of being in a theater and sitting quietly. And, you know, so there's all kinds of levels. And
0: next up is Jocelyn Bertram. She's a musical theater performer and publishes a blog, Both Sides of the Curtain, which dives into all aspects of musical theater. She also grew up going to Georgian performances, and we really dive into what the theater meant for her and her hopes moving forward. Uh, To start off, I'll just get you to introduce yourself um, and kind of your role and how you have kind of interacted with the theater community in Barrie.
3: Yeah, of course. So my name is Jocelyn Bertram. I am a musical theater performer creator and i'm also the editor of a theater blog called both sides of the curtain i currently live in Innisfil, ontario it's where i grew up and obviously since i went into theater uh, theater's always been such a huge part of my life and i think a lot of that is thanks to the amazing theater community that barry has we are a city that is so rich with arts and culture that somebody even though we're not in say like toronto or somewhere that's considered to be a huge theater hub we are a hub for so many things and so from a young age it was it was dance it was drama camps at various theater companies in the area we would see community shows and that kind of instilled that love in me that passion that you know i took with me i went to high school i graduated i went to school for musical theater in windsor And, you know, currently I just finished a production in December that was a full Zoom musical. Uh, It was really exciting, it was a pantomime. And other than that, I am just, you know, sitting back and watching the theater community thrive during this time, despite everything that's been thrown at it. And I'm so glad to kind of have a front row seat to all of that.
0: (laughs) For sure. And you brought up so many interesting points there that I want to come back to specifically um, what it's like to be a a theater performer as well as a critic and fan during this time. But first, I'll maybe take you back in time. And how has the Georgian theater kind of interacted with your love of theater and growing up?
3: Yes, I, I love, love, love the Georgian theater. I actually think it's the first stage I ever performed on like when I was like maybe two or three with like a ballet recital. I remember being there very vaguely. I remember performing and I remember like leaving the theater afterwards like with my whole family. And so that was that's my first memory of the Georgian theater. Uh, the next one I think I saw a Kempenfelt Community Players production of Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat and I was hooked. It is still one of my favorite musicals to this day. And when I started dancing competitively, that's where our year-end recitals were. So for five years, I was performing at the Georgian every spring.
0: So you know that stage in and out and you've been in that room for many hours.
3: (laughs) I have, I think it's such a brilliant venue. Yeah, and why
0: is it, for people that may not be involved in theater, why is it so important to have that sort of like large theater space in a town like Barry?
3: Yeah, so of course, I'm going to get really specific, I think kind of about this because Barry has so many groups of performing artists and so many performing arts groups who do different things. You know, you have at least a dozen dance studios who go to the Georgian to have their recitals and that sort of thing. And then you have everything up to big, um, professional theater productions, such as ones hosted by Theater by the Bay or Kempenfelt community players. They're not, sorry. Whew. You can just cut that part yeah, out, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, such as Talk is Free Theater or Theater by the Bay, who have these huge, beautiful professional productions. You have gorgeous pieces of community theater, and it's something that's really accessible to so many. And I think, we do have a couple other theater venues, the main one, other one being the Five Point Center at Downtown Barrie, but it's, it's pretty much double the seating. So, especially in this time, it is so important to have a large theater because when we do get to go back to the theater, which will hopefully be very soon, we're not gonna be able to sit by, side by side everybody. We'll have to go by bubble. We'll have to social distance and for any show that is going to put in the work and the effort to create something during this time to bring in, maybe not even break even, but you're going to need that amount of space like to sit people apart, right? Because we want people to be safe. And I think it's also worth mentioning that they're two very different theater spaces. So if you've been inside the Georgian theater, you know that the stage is raged, you have your proscenium arch, it has flies, it's fully equipped in a lot of ways. Whereas something like the Mady Center, it has, a, it's not the Mady Center anymore, it's the Five Point Center. Oh, yeah. It has all of those wonderful things, but the stage, it doesn't have a huge rage stage. It's a very small, intimate venue, which if you're like me and you love theater, I saw Hedwig in the Angry Inch last two years ago. Uh, down there at the Five Points, and it was the perfect venue for something that was cabaret style and raw and gritty and in your face. Whereas something like Joseph, you need a bigger stage to do because you have a bigger cast. I think also in terms of like backstage room and dressing room areas, as well as just the audience size. So it's not just how many people can come and see the show, it's how much room do the people working on the production have to play with. Another thing is that uh, parking parking is a big thing so at Georgian luckily there are big beautiful parking spots there are ways to park through the college like there's a place to park even if you do have to pay for it you can still park there whereas for something downtown like the five point center you kind of park where you can right so that's another thing that just makes it that much more accessible to other people.
0: Okay, I get you. And all these things that you're mentioning, I'm sure have been felt as well by so many members of the, the community that uses that theater. And as you mentioned, too, that, that's a wide um, array of groups. But I, I was wondering for you personally, how did it feel to first hear the news that the theater was closing down? And we know it, like a lot has happened since then, but just when you first heard the news, what kind of went through your mind?
3: It was kind of like being punched in the stomach a little bit. I feel like that's a dramatic, um, bit of a dramatic answer, but it was really sad, especially because I have so many beautiful memories. I have such a community of people in my life through dance, through theater, who so many of our memories are there. So much was made there. So much was, you know, given there. And uh, it was it was really hard to read, to see, find it, on Facebook and I am so grateful to, um, I'm losing the name, but it was somebody at Barry today who posted the article on it. And I'm so grateful to them because if they hadn't posted that article I wouldn't have found out about it, right? Um, Anyway, I'm so glad that they did share it and that this wonderful arts community that we have that they have so bravely stepped up to say like, hello, (laughs) this." theater, we need a theater like this. And also that, you know, it's not something you can just easily cut in a budget meeting. And I know that that's simplifying it and that's mincing words, but that's kind of how it feels to members, I think of the theatrical t- community to be told like, hey, you're not gonna have this anymore because of this.
0: Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. And I guess going forward, it, it seems like there is some hope for saving the Georgian um, yes. How does that feel?
3: It's good, you know, I was in a meeting last week and it was with other members of the Barry Theatre community. Um, Marissa Cadwell put together, or is it Caldwell? I'm not sure. Oh no, <laughs> um, I can check that. If you can check that, yeah. that would be brilliant. But she put together a Zoom call with a lot of people who are members of the community and have these concerns. And she led the meeting so wonderfully, and she let us know that you know, this community are talking with people uh, on the city council right now. Uh, I know that there was a petition going around. There is, like, people have been sending letters to their counselors, which I think is so brilliant. And even even if this is ends up being a done deal, I think the fact that so many people were affected by this and have had such a strong response to this, that won't go amiss. So that's something I think that even if the theater decision goes one way or the other.
0: Oh, okay. And I'll just say quickly, my internet connection is a little bit slow. So if I cut out or interrupt you, that's <laughs> that's why. Um, okay, no worries. It's I guess I, it's the new reality in this Zoom, Zoom age. Um, yeah. Yeah, I was wondering um, for you as a young performer, someone who's worked extensively in the field, and um, went to school for it, what place does theater have in your decision to stay in Barrie, search for other, opportunity, like other opportunities? When you think of your future, how important is it for you to have a thriving theater community in the place that
3: you live? Yeah, I mean, I'm up here because my family's here. It's kind of the easiest place for me to be right now, but working with a company like Theater by the Bay or Talk is Free, like, those are pretty high on, like, things that I would love to do as an artist. And I think that having a theater career in Barrie for anybody, not not just me, but for anybody, or even if it's not a career, if you're one of the many people who volunteers their time to create art in this community, it is so important. And not just like in an, I want to be on stage kind of thing. That's not what this is. For me, this is what theater in Barrie does is it provides wonderful productions that are accessible and affordable. So say if I live up here and maybe if my family didn't have enough money or the means to go down to Toronto and see a production at Mervish, for example, you could go see a wonderful production at any one of these community theaters or the professional theaters in Barrie for a fraction of the ticket price and without having to go all the way down so that is huge and honestly if Barry hadn't had such a thriving art scene it probably would have been very difficult for me to find out that that was what I wanted to do and where my passion was it's because of where we live and the amazing artists who live up here that people like me have been able to go oh my gosh that's what I want to do when I grow up
0: okay and um i was talking to ian mogash um from uh, theater by the bay and i might have mispronounced his name there but um he was i i kind of asked him a lot of people on facebook comments or people who might not know the theater community might say that in a pandemic why are we funding theater when people can't gather together uh, maybe even for a year but i was wondering for you um what role has the hope of theater or theater in general had during the pandemic for him he said it's been really great for his mental health to have that hope of gathering together. Mm -hmm. So many people need the arts uh, for their mental health. But from your perspective, what role has theater had during the pandemic? Um, And you can answer that however, however you want. I know that's a pretty loaded question. Yeah, gosh,
3: well, (laughs) there are so many ways um, to answer that. But I think the first word that comes to my head is just gratitude. Like, I'm so grateful that I have this love passion for theater and the thing is is that theater's still going like theater isn't dead it isn't on pause we just can't be together in person right now and because of that artists are coming up with crazy innovative ways to keep growing and evolving like i i kind of laugh sometimes because what we know as theater today musical theater dates all the way back to like ancient greece (laughs) so of course over the time it has gone through so much it has evolved and adapted and that's what this is now so whenever i see things about people being like oh theater's dead or theater's gone it's like no no no!" it's just transitioning again and that's what makes me so excited about theater because it is resilient it's one of the oldest professions is being in the arts and it's something that everybody needs right now. You know, there's the hope that one day we're going to get back and create something beautiful together, or we're going to experience a wonderful production. But it's also been, for me, it's been about drive. Like I have been so busy (laughs) during uh, this time and I'm so blessed that I'm able to, right here in my room over Zoom, I can take my voice lessons. I can take dance lessons. I can meet up with my mentor there's so much that can be done and that is being done. So it's kind, it's not that, I guess what I'm trying to say is that there is good. There is good in this. And I think that goes for anybody, whether you're a member of the theater community or not, like take the theater out of this as horrible of a situation that we all are in globally um I like to think that there's a silver lining at least everybody has one it's a little bit different but there is one
0: Mm -hmm. and as you mentioned too um like last week uh there's a big meeting of people from the community finding ways forward and online there's an explosion of support um, for the theater community so I suppose it's a lot of people might um this might be what is pulling them through in some ways, right? Like that hope of gathering together in community to experience theater together. Um, It seems like that's a key part of it.
3: Yeah, and it's also that there's there's something so incredible about live theater that it kind of transcends um, so many other things. And that might just be me being biased. But the connections that are there, it's not like just between like if you and i were actors and people were watching this like a movie it's not just the two of us you know acting and performing it's a bigger conversation when it's on stage and what people crave right now is that human connection that's why we're all on zoom all the time that's why we're zoom fatigued that's why we're bouncing against the walls even the most introverted of us are we just want to connect with people and something like theater it's it's a release of heightened emotion. And I think it also kind of comes down to, you mentioned mental health, but music has literal healing qualities. Like it's a scientific thing. I'm not gonna talk on it because I'm not qualified to do so, but music heals, music brings people together. And I think live theater is, it's like that. You go to a show, you sit beside a stranger you still have experienced like a moment in time. And I think we just all want to experience things together.